fifth installment of Slightly Toasted, a podcast where four guys drink wine and like to talk about it. Um, Hopefully you'll get some entertainment, maybe some education along the way. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm Keith. I'm Mike. I'm David. And we've had a number of different uh, episodes, topics that we've covered so far, and I think today's topic is, is pretty interesting. We've got a sampling of old world wines, so... Who wants to maybe talk a little bit about Old World? What does that mean? Where does that come from? I think most people probably know where, where, where Europe is, is basically what that is. But what's the, kind of the delineation when somebody says Old World versus New World? Uh, you're on the right track. It's Europe, anything. Um, I was Venice for Nifera. I probably need to check the pronunciation on that. But that is the European wine stocks that uh, were... Planted, were grown, cultivated uh, since before written time. Um, but the European growing area from, uh, I'd say, like the Middle East into Europe is yeah. Old World. And then as the European explorers came to the Americas, came to, to uh, Australia, etc., even South Africa, all of that is considered New World. So it is just out of Europe. Is, is the delineation. Yep. And I think we've got a good sampling uh, today. We've got two wines from Italy, uh, a wine from France, and a, and a wine from Spain. So um, I know we're sounds looks like we're starting off with the uh, the, Spanish the Spanish wine. You want to yes. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is a La Rioja Alta Viña Arana. And I think what we're going to we're going to learn today is we we're going to sample a lot of great wines. But we're going to learn that we don't know how to pronounce a lot of these. Yeah, things. We are <laughs> so really we're going to butcher a lot of a lot of things, and that's okay. That's that's part of the fun. So I was close on that. I got the, yeah. the tilde over the end. That was good. Um, so this is a Rioja Reserva. It's a 2009, 100% Tempranillo. Uh, we'll do the taste, and then I can give, if anyone cares, a history on Rioja and. Well, what I know about Tempranillo, I think the the ones I've had, uh, I haven't tasted this yet, but it smells great. The ones I've had, I, the kind of the overwhelming flavor I get from it is tobacco, is, is usually yeah. what I get. So I was going to say, yeah, tobacco, I get cigar box, to, like, tobacco, cigar box, some um, graphite, um, like those flavors from it, definitely. <clears throat> usually a fair amount of oak. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, do Spanish wines use... Um, American oak more than French oak? They, historically, yes. They started actually importing the trees and growing their own oak uh, instead of buying from French. And uh, I'm honestly not sure what the what oak is on this one. Uh, on the palate, I'm getting kind of a sour cherry, really, really solid acids, smooth tannins. We get that cigar box, uh, bit of minerality. Yeah, definitely get I the like graphite it. taste too. No, this is this is uh, this is really good. And you um, opened this a long time ago. Yes, right? this, uh, I was reading other reviews, other uh, tasting notes, and everything said that uh, it was better with about two hours plus uh, of airing. So I decanted this about. Just about two and a half hours ago. So. It's and do you think that's common for most Riojas or Tempranillos, or just this one in particular? Um, that 
I would kind of popped and poured tempurios in the past, and they they yeah. been fine. So I don't know if it maybe just because of the age or or I, well, the one. age usually does not indicate you need a lot of uh, a lot of time on it once you open it. But I think it's more on the production if it is uh, if it is kept reductive and kept away from oxygen and may have mm -hmm. some of those sulfur. Uh, notes when you first open it. I didn't notice that when I opened it. Um, it's incredibly smooth. Yeah, I think Riojas can stand to hit, be open yeah. in advance and breathe a little bit. Though. Yeah. Um, right, and isn't it um, like a Rioja? Is it like you know, Reserva Rioja, Grand Reserva? It's more time in the oak, more, more time, time in the barrel. Yeah. This is a Reserva, so it's a 2009. Mm -hmm. And happy birthday! Would, Ten years old. There you go. Oh, 11. Well, 11. Mm. Sorry. Uh, That's right. Hashtag twenty twenty. <laughs> Make sure to do twenty twenty so people don't like counterfeit your banking documents. I yeah. heard about that. Yeah, you know, we're all financiers in here. So mm -hmm. and, and you write checks. I don't write checks. My <laughs> wife writes check checks still somehow. I don't know how. I hate checks. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> the background on this is one hundred percent Tempranillo, mm -hmm. and the Riolos do tend to be. More heavily aged. The classic one, the classic style of Riojas is uh, you are, it's a fairly strong, fairly uh, robust wine that likes age, likes time on oak, likes to be just tucked away. Uh, so you're right, the Crianzas are the younger, uh, the Reservas are, I want to say, two years in oak and three years in bottle, and then the Grand Reserves. I may have to fact check this. I want to say it's 34 months in oak and then three to four years in the bottle. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's it's a fairly long lead time on this. And with an 09, it wouldn't be unexpected to see this as a Grand Reserva. It is only Reserva. But uh, kind of the background on the area, Rioja is pretty remote in northern central Spain and really came to prominence in uh, the 1800s when Phylloxera first hit the uh, Bordeaux vineyards. As Bordeaux was just reeling and falling apart, the Phylloxera had not hit uh, Spain yet, and so a number of French uh, vintners and uh, grape growers moved production to F Spain to have an area to grow. They, they knew that Tempranillo grew, they knew it grew well, they brought in the French techniques of putting it in oak barrels, the barriques and such, and the Rioja area uh, really rose in prominence. And then for about 25 years it was one of the premier grape growing areas of the world, and then in Bordeaux they started figuring out how to combat phylloxera by grafting uh, onto American rootstocks, and around the turn of the 20th century... Americans saving the French's ass again. Again, it's a rich history. And there goes half our viewing, listening audience. Uh, but when Bordeaux got back on We're track... Down to two. Yeah, two, two to one. <laughs> In turn, Rioja took, uh, took a major hit. And then with World Wars... With the Spanish Revolution, uh, with food shortages, a lot of the vineyards were actually torn up and repurposed for food crops. 
And it really wasn't until the early 1970s that the wine program was restored in any way. And they started having uh, really highly rated, highly well-done wines. But it, it's the new incarnation is really only about 50 years old now. So Rioja is the region, Tempranillo is the grape. Correct. And is Tempranillo the primary grape you're going to find in Rioja? Or, cause I know, yes, I mean, there's some Grenache. Okay. There's another one. But mm -hmm. uh, the best Riojas are going to be Tempranillo. Yeah. I love the Spanish Grenache, too. Like you were talking about, yeah. talk about pop and pour. Just mm -hmm. like, boom. They're good. I think the first one I had, I think, I forget, I feel like you brought it over. I think it was, I know it's not Spanish, but I think it was a minor Grenache. It was the first one I ever had. And I remember it was amazing. Yeah. And I've not seen it or had it since. It was like five years ago. Well, you're going to get your full bill today. We're about to have a couple. <laughs> I'm surprised how floral, how perfumey it smells to me. Yeah. I, yeah, fruitier on nose, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a sweet cherry. Yes, there's. And, but I like it. It and it's so there's no tannin to no, this thing. It is, it is really smooth. Mm. It's just different than I, um, and I definitely get the oak on it. But it's mm. it's different than I expected. How long was it open for? About, like I said, two two and mm -hmm. a half hours. Got a little delayed watching the end of the uh, the basketball game. Uh, my Florida Gators finally managed to uh, rebound and and beat Alabama. Not a very impressive win, but <laughs> we'll take them anywhere we can get them right now. That's right. So. Yeah, this is good. You know what we haven't done that I just realized we haven't like rated. Do it. We haven't rated our wines. Rated. Maybe. Like, like Parker, you should be Parker. You be suckling, suckling. <laughs> we'll have to rate them at the end. Yeah, we, we should do that. We, we, we need to come up with like a different rating system, though. It can't be, you know, you got the normal out of a hundred, mm -hmm. right? So that's what suckling and Parker and Venus and all these. I, people I give this five and a half guavas. You got the. Uh, that's right. <laughs> there we go. That's right. Well, we usually talk the ones that we drink. During a podcast, we usually kind of rate as far as which one you like the best. One through four, yeah. or five, or six, yeah. true, depending on. So yeah, as far as a scale that we mm -hmm. give it, yeah, we haven't quite developed. Come a up scale with our own yet. algorithm. We need our own. That'll be new for twenty twenty. <laughs> That's right. So how much? Uh, where did you get this? This is a last bottle special. And roughly what did it cost? Twenty nine dollars. Okay, so about thirty bucks. So is it twenty? Like, so you paid on last bottle twenty nine. Correct. So this is like a fifty dollar bottle of. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, because last bottle, if you listen to what yes. they tell you, they're discounting it by at least 40%. So, Roughly, yeah. If you're just some sucker out there and you drop 50 bucks. Did you Vivino it by any chance to see what they say about uh, it? Vivino gave it a 4.0. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, I think they upheld my pricing. So Vivino's more, a little more realistic, maybe saying you can get this off the last bottle. And... Uh, I feel like everything's a 4.0 on the Venus. See, that's why you can't do a five-star rating either, <laughs> right. right? We can't uh, use stars. Yeah. The uh, three wine guys who, you know, some inspiration for this whole thing. They yeah. use like an A, B, B minus, whatever rating, which is okay. a good rating, but we can't yeah. duplicate what they did. Um, that's something that makes sense. 
So you can't word. use numbers or letters. <laughs> no. How about shapes? <laughs> like this gets a circle. Is that good or bad? I don't know. This gets four barrels. This gets four barrels. <laughs> yeah, let's do wine barrels. How, when would you, okay, would you be mad if this was opened like as the third or fourth bottle of the night, you know, because usually you want your really good bottles when you will remember them, you know. Right. So this is like a first bottle, you open it up, you know you need to, I don't know, we could do something like that. I don't know. That's maybe too complicated, too complex though. It's solid. It's just like, I've had, I will say I've had some Crianzas that are more memorable. I like this, and that's not to say that this is, this is not to uh, disparage this. It's, it's tasty. But I don't know that this has got anything that is really going to be memorable. I agree. Mm. So if this was the third bottle of the night, I would be, be fine. fine with it. Yeah. So Crianza is the Crianza is younger. The younger Rioja. Correct. And it goes Crianza Reserva, Reserva. Grand Reserva. Yes. And then you know Emperor. Yeah, Nipu Ultra. <laughs> Well, this is good. This is, I think, a yeah, good one to start. It's a good start off. It's mm-hmm. got, it, it does have cherry, but I get, I don't get, yeah. I get um, more of some scent. tart cherry. I get a little, yeah. Yeah, a little tart, tart cherry sure. on the cherry. The palate's driven by mm-hmm. acid, without a doubt. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the biggest. I agree with that. Um, but I definitely did get the tobacco and the cigar, like Chris was saying. Um, I got more cigar box than tobacco myself on this particular one. But, mm-hmm. but solid. Yeah, it was a good a good first bottle. Good it's start. Work. Good start to the old what, world. What else do we wines. have? We have a French and two Italians, right? That's so, what. So. Yeah, I brought Barolo. I would say Barolo should not go next. Maybe it could go third or fourth, but just because it needs. Yeah, it's two years last. Some it's okay. Two years. You want to do the French wine? All right. we'll do the French. Let's I'll do it. Bring it out. We're in our way. You get to talk. You want me to pour? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's I've always a little young. I've got the heavy Is pour. It? Yeah, so we'll me... talk about what happens. I, I like that. Uh, was that your decanter? Yes. Uh, All right, so we are on to wine number two, and this is the wine that I brought. Um, it is a red wine from Chateauneuf du Pape um, from Domaine Sugier. So the producer is Sugier. And did a little reading up on this wine. It's a husband and wife team. That um, they're fourth generation wine producers, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it is. Uh, you mentioned Grenache earlier. It's ninety percent Grenache, oh. the sprinkling of uh, Syrah, Levedre, and Sinsol. I think I pronounced that right. Um, and just reading up about the French wines. Oh my God, you can get, you yes. can go to the end of the world and reading up about yeah. French wines. It's been the rest of your life reading about it. It's, it's phenomenal. It's just absolutely insane. And this area, you know, Chateauneuf-du-Pape is kind of the, the southern Rhone region, which mm. is part of the, obviously, the southern part of France as you get down to the to the coast. So um, this was a purchase off of Total Wine. Um, the Vino did. They gave it a 4.1. Uh, average price is about $35. I paid 29 for it. Um, it's been open for a little over an hour, mm. roughly, something like that. So, cheers. I haven't even had it yet. It smells really good. So what are the typical, I know, Keith, you've got more experience with French wines, I think. What is the typical of the Chateauneuf du Pop? What is kind of the, the flavor profile? What, what, is, what do you typically expect it's from that? It's typically red fruit, um, savory and like the there's an herbaceous note that they call garrique, which is kind of like 
uh, like cooking herbs, uh, think of like herbs de Provence and things of that mm. nature. So it's got that savory, uh, to me, deliciousness. And mm. It's yummy. This is, yeah. yeah. This is very yummy. I like it. I, I get so definitely floral. I do get yes. some floral, but I get like a little, just a tiny hint of like licorice. I don't know why. I think every Chateau Neuf I've had has definitely had a floral, perfumey, mm. but a kind of like a different than the than the, the Rio. Mm -hmm. This was more of more of an elegant type yeah. of um, texture is a little different. Feel like, like a little, better structure. Yeah, a little yeah. more silky, if yeah. you will. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think elegance is a good way to describe yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. This yes, is. it's especially coming after Rioja, which was driven by the acid. This is more integrated. Yeah. This is right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, this is really good. And this is a 2015? Mm -hmm. mm. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think these wines are made to, to sit a little while, but they can be drank early. Yeah, I was actually uh, reading on the website, it said, Enjoy Christmas 2019. I was like, well, that's a good timing. It's just passed. So, <laughs> perfect, perfect time to open this wine. But yeah, I think it said it'll, yeah. you know, drink anywhere from 2020 to 2027, something like that. So, um, mm. definitely will age well in, in the bottle. And yeah, I mean, first response is I'm totally yeah. pleased with it. Certainly something else I would buy for, for 30 bucks. Is that total wine you said? Uh, no, it was yeah, a last bottle, a last bottle okay. purchase, yep. It's really good. I need to buy mm -hmm. more of those. I just, I just don't, you know, pull the trigger when I see them come up. I don't know why. And I, every time you all open, this is a marathon though. So this is one of those marathon purchases. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to get more into the okay. French wines. So yeah, me too. You know, I've got some. I got this. I got a Beaujolais. Um, I got a Burgundy. Um, so so when those come up, I'm trying to get more so I can yeah, experience yeah. more of them because I feel like I'm such a neophyte when it comes to French wines. Yeah. Um, I can barely pronounce them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drink them. I will say, I think for going into French wines, the Southern Rhones are, especially when you're saying, let's do like looking at a $30 bottle, uh, you can more consistently get good Southern Rhones in that price range than you may, like if you're finding a Burgundy. Now, that's not to say you can't do it. It's not all... Domaine Romani Conti. Right. It's not all, you know, Chateau Lafitte, Rothschild in, in Bordeaux. There are good producers. You can get seconds and everything else. I just don't know the producers that are right. that are doing well or the years and that level. Whereas it, it's impossible to because there's a there's million so wineries. I mean, there's yeah. so many. Yeah. It is so driven by the terroir in those areas. Yeah. And like it could and be I like, think, yeah. And the know, difference is like in 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 France and in, in the French wines like. You just have yeah. to know that Chateauneuf du Pop is Grenache sprinkled in with some other stuff. In yeah. Burgundy, you know, it's Pinot, right? Yeah. In Bordeaux, it's Merlot yeah. and oh, Cabernet, yeah. right? So you, you kind of have to know a little bit because they don't yes. tell you what the grapes are. But there could be good <laughs> ones in the, in the right. too. It could be like Jean Claude has this half acre that makes a stellar wine here, yep. and yeah. the best of his grapes are in this one bottle that I can never pronounce, and then. He's doing great stuff with his seconds, whereas you have a negociant that's like calling it something with like a couple extra syllables and like offloading bulk wine from heaven's knows where. And that's not to say, you know, I'm not saying that always happens. I just don't know 
what yeah. to look for in a good wine in the north. Yeah, but yeah, Bordeaux is a lot more intimidating for sure, just yes. because of all the different appellations there. And and I think that like Shaft to Pops are way more approachable right away. Like he says, it's a yes. 2015. You can pop this as a drinking beautifully. I'm sure we'll drink 2016s coming up soon, or mm-hmm. if we haven't already, and they're going to be great. But Bordeaux, I feel like, you know, you'd be opening a 2011 now, maybe to drink it. You know, so I mean, Bordeaux you right. have to sit on for longer to get more out of them. On top of them being probably more expensive to get, and this is definitely one of those wines you would have at the beginning of the night, cheese, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the cheese board, the charcuterie board, all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is that wine that you would have with, with the, um, you know, before you get into the main meal. But I think it would yeah. pair well with some some major, you know, meat meals that, that you would potentially have. I was thinking so. like coco vin, you know, like a chicken mm-hmm. stew, basically. Um, this would be great with it because it's got all all those, um, like you said, the herbs mm-hmm. in it. And, you know, the French stews have all kinds of, uh, I don't know, herbaceousness in them. Yeah, very good. So, like yeah, stuff you, stuff you yeah. have paired with Pinot, I think, would, yeah. Would, yeah. would go. Agreed. It's going to maybe and, a bit more structured, but yeah, you're right. It's, mm-hmm. Is it's, it going to go well with a steak? Yeah, it might light. be better, but. Yeah, a little light for a steak. But, yeah. um, How about yeah. some duck? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know that anything we're going to drink here is probably going to be what we prefer with a steak. Yeah. No, I mean... So it's worth pointing out, the, all the wines we brought are, are red wines, mm-hmm. and we haven't even scratched the surface on white wines no. for old world areas. Have we ever had a white wine during one of our no. five we have not had podcasts? No, no, we have not. So I will say, like, and again, Chateau Neuf de Pop is probably upwards of 80, 90% red wines, but they do mm-hmm. make Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc, and I've had one... I know, David, you have one on this way, and that was a fantastic wine. That I, was like a I had it here, really, David, yeah. and, it was, and we both... It was I, incredible. I, I really loved it. Was coming really, it. it was different. Was that, it's, I knew you'd ask that. Um, <laughs> I was not prepared with my notes on the Chateau Neuf de, Blanc, de Pop Blanc. Uh, I'm, free with, I'm freestyling this. But it was not like a Chardonnay. No. It, it was... Uh, it's a... It's savory. It's a. It's a really almost a creamy, interesting. Wine. Yeah, it's a, it's a rich wine. There's a lot going on in it. It's floral. And I'll hunt one down and we'll try that. It, yeah, and it's worth noting that this um, Domaine Sergier. Um, you're right. Eighty percent of the the wines they make is is red, but they do produce um, white wine as well. So yeah. I think that's that seems to be the the, the norm. Is and that it? is true. Like Chateau Neuf de Pop. There are, I believe, seventeen different grapes that can go into it. I think that's in just that's about any kind of level. It's almost always Grenache forward and some Syrah. Like and Syrah. Right? It's like the three biggies are usually Grenache, Syrah, and Mouvedre. GSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one has Sansol or Sansol. Uh, but there are. I just like saying that. Yeah. So that there are thirteen other grapes that can go into it. Um, but they only. But it's a very small region that they come from. I mean that Chateau Neuf de Pop is a is a pretty small. I mean in order to have that. Correct. In order to have that name and put yes. it on the bottle, it has it has to have a certain quality. As far, that's how I look. That's how I look at it. And they've all had well, it's, like it's the region too. So it has the quality, but also the region. And you're right. I mean, when reading up around 
on French wines is like they have very specific guidelines, mm-hmm. you know, and, and most, you know, Italy does too, yeah. with the DOC, yeah, the yeah, DOCG, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So same thing here. I think they call it the AOC in, in France. Um, but that's when they dictate how wines, you know, especially maybe not how the wines, but the, how the land is supposed to be cultivated and yeah. how you can only produce certain amount of, uh, of, of wine from your hectares that, yeah. hec- mm-hmm. you know, that you, that you have. So, um, so it's really cool. And um, it's just a looks like an amazing, beautiful region. I know that yeah. it's got that the name is derived from you know the the popes used to go down there yeah, for kind of a summer home. So apparently there's an old castle that the popes used to go to. Avignon, like the third, Avignon. Yeah, isn't that the seal? Isn't the papal that's, that's seal? What the seal is on, how you know on the when you've got a shot to know the pop is it's got the I, yeah. I believe it was seal. Mm-hmm. And again, I've got the, the Catholics in the room. But Pope Clement actually moved. Uh, the entire Vatican, he moved the home of the Catholic Church to Avignon for a time back in 1300s, 1400s at some point. So yeah, follow the, the wine, wine. my yeah. kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's funny, just the other day in the mail, Hysteria. we got, um, you ever see Viking cruises? Oh yeah, yes. Viking and river so, cruises. Yeah, river cruises, mm-hmm. and one of them is like this crazy... Eight or ten day trek down yeah. the Rhone. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you're stopping in Burgundy yeah. and in Bordeaux and um, yeah. what's the one you said? Beaujolais, all the way down to Southern Rome. Mm-hmm. Rhone, and I'm like, man, what an amazing trek that would be, right? Yes. Like you're just drinking your way down oh, the yeah. Rhone. I mean, holy crap! Bring your yes. spare liver. Yeah. Bring your spare left, right. You know, hey, IV. <laughs> hey, livers are an amazing organ. You can. Yeah. You know, have a little part of, part of it. you got to use it. Use it. That's right. there for. That's right. So it, out, it of, out of the you've since you and I have probably had more than these two. Have you had a 2016 yet? Because I think that that year is supposed to be really good. And I don't think that I've had one. So I've got the this is 15. So um, getting there. I may have had like. I'd be curious if there if, if we would be able to tell a difference in a really good. I, again, year. I, I honestly I do think I've opened a sixteen, but I don't know that it was of a producer of any note. So. I don't think I've opened a sixteen. If you're going to do something like that, you have to open the same producers years yeah. back and forth to see to really get like a. To me, I mean, I don't know. Like I wouldn't be. I mean, you could open this one, whatever yes. this is. Uh, you can open a 2016 and take the 2015 next to it if it's a different... Because they have a different great composition. Maybe one is heavier Syrah than the other. And even actually on something like this too, the mix is going to be different from year to year, right? They're not yeah. going to be consistent. Yes. It's like you're tasting like a Napa. You're opening, you know, uh, you know, a steak-grown 100% Cab 2014, 2015, right. 2016. It's all mm-hmm. Cab grapes. It's just you get to taste the year, you know? Um, it's probably hard to do. And now I think I may have had a 16, but... It might not. Again, I don't. I don't know. I don't know who the big Chateau new producers are because we yeah. we've pretty much stayed within the the thirty to fifty dollar yeah. bottle. Um, yeah. So true. I don't know if they fall if that falls within. I think the one I, I had one from last bottle of twenty twelve Janice J J A N E S S E. I know Keith had it with mm-hmm. me, and, and it was and it was Chateau Neuf, and it was clearly uh, above anything that I've had quality wise. I don't know if it was because it was 2012. That's probably the only 2012 Chateau Neuf I've ever had. Um, but I sat on it a couple of years, and I got it from Last Bottle, and um, 
it was like a super yeah. elegant was the best word Pinot, uh, and it was outstanding. I can't even. So it was a Chateauneuf, and it was a Pinot. Well, it it, it was like a. Or it drank like it, a it drank Pinot. like a Pinot. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but it was like r really nice. You know, not oaked, very um, very balanced. Yeah structured and beautiful it was delicious well i think the cool thing about you know whether it's last bottle or wherever you purchase your you know wtso's another one where the where you purchase your wines i mean i never would have bought this if it wasn't on last bottle right i mean that's that's the cool thing about these websites is that you get exposed to different wines that you might ever buy because i mean i yeah. went, last time i went into total wine i went to the the french section it's like Holy Christ, where, where do you start? It's yeah. like there's just, I mean, unless you've got somebody that really knows what they're talking about yeah. to come over and help you, it's like, how do you even begin? I don't know. So this is a good way just to kind of start with the various regions. Yeah, agreed. Well, cool. Well, that was a good one. So up next, it's being poured. What, what, what is being poured? So this is an Alianico, and this is from southern Italy. It's quite a bedazzled label. I don't think any of us have had one. I haven't had very many wines. Yeah, I was it about to say, look at the dark. label, it matches the color of it, I feel like. It's very... Yeah. And according to the Solo Tracker, no, I've not opened any of my 16s yet. All right, so All right. Dave, All right. So, so, yeah, so I don't, I, don't know, I don't know a lot about this, honestly. I've had it, I, I've actually had it a couple of years, though. Um, I actually got this on WTSO. Um, I've had... So you can't just not all... <laughs> I've had four of them, and I knew I, I read that they, there was a pretty uh, robust wine by the color that looks. Yeah, yeah. Appears it looks. It looks good. like a, it looks like a Syrah. Yeah, like it looks one hundred percent Syrah when I when you poured it. I mean, so so re reading after I got it, some reviews on it, a lot of people said that it was very that it probably needed to sit a little while and I, I paid 20 bucks for it uh wtso was the reason i got it is someone wtso that was either a founder or uh, one of the original people with the website passed away and this was one of their favorite wines so all day they were doing all they were doing was this person's favorite wines so this was one of them, and I had never heard—I'd never heard of this style of wine. So I, I was looking it up. And I said, "All right, I'm going to go ahead and get it." And you see, there's a rating on the top of 97 points in the 19, but I'm not sure who rated that. You remember what you paid for it? Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Twenty bucks. And so what's uh, the great makeup? Um. So, Alianico, I believe, is. The grape. That's the name of the grape? Yeah. I can honestly say I've never heard of that. Sounds like a kid's game. Alianico. Alianico. But it's spelled A-G-L-E-I-A-N-C-O. It has a G <laughs> I taste chocolate when I drink it. Yes. Yeah. Great. A little sweet. A little sweet. They got a hint of blueberry. Mm -hmm. It's not what I was expecting from the smell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is a good thing. Yeah, so I wasn't loving the smell. It does have kind of a Syrah characteristic to it. Uh, it, it. It is very sweet, though. I agree. It's, it's got some residual sugar. Super, mm -hmm. super... Um, I mean, it's not to say it's like an off-dry, but there's a bit of residual sugar in this one. It's, yeah. 
chocolate's a good call. Which is okay. surprising, because I haven't had too many Italian wines with mm -hmm. with a um, residual sugar. Right. So most of us. So when you had, say residual, residual sugar, what do you? What does that mean? What do you mean? It actually. So, a number of times, if the wine is really fruity, and this happens a lot in whites too, if there is a very heavy fruit nose, if it smells fruity, your mind interprets that to be sweet, even though there's no actual sugar in it. So, it's that, it's some wines, uh, like, uh, Vouvray's, which can actually have sugar, and, and uh, a lot of whites will have this, or honestly, some bargain producers in reds in California. Um, you know, if it's, if it's a fruit bomb, if you're smelling a lot of red fruit, if you're smelling jaminess, your mind will interpret it to be sweeter, even though if you really look at it and break it down, there may be no sugar left in the wine since it's all been fermented in alcohol. This, at the back end... Uh, of uh, a drink on the kind of like the the tails of the palate, I'm actually tasting sugar. There's there's a bit of sweetness to the mm -hmm. actual tongue in this. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I think. That's where you would get the chocolate. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, which I get too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I can't remember ever having a wine that I like. When you said that, I was like immediate. Like that is definitely what I'm tasting. And and we're more familiar with. Northern Italy wines, mm -hmm. Piedmont wines. Mm -hmm. um, Where is this? Is this this Tuscany? is south, this is south oh, towards this, south, this like is towards Sicily, towards Campan the bottom of the Campania, yeah, down in the down the heel, down the heel, yeah. Hmm. So you have to pick some up when you go to the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these wines generally are not very expensive. Uh, from from the, talking about the region, yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, I think when I was like it, it would be too hot to grow grapes there. Italy lines up with like New York, doesn't it? Ish. Yeah. I've seen Even the food's going to be in the north, but south. I mean, there's it's, it's still going to be like Virginia level. Yeah. It's, it's it's very interesting. Most I mean, all of Spain. Most of Spain's actually in growing areas in Spain and Portugal are further south than uh, Italy. A lot of it has to do. You know, it has to do with the uh, the water surrounded, the Mediterranean yeah. cooling and such. Yeah, the elevation, of, where, where mm -hmm. the, the yeah. trade winds coming mm -hmm. from. Yeah, exactly. And it could be the diurnals. Yeah, a lot of Italy is going to be hot during the day, but it may yeah. cool off at night. Well, and, that's, and that's what you want. Yeah. I feel like Italian wines, though, there's a lot of bargain players in, in For Italian the wine. You know, I mean, definitely. I yeah. think, you know, you can get Chianti, like, really just delicious Chiantis <laughs> for very reasonable price. Like, just amazing wine to drink with food. Yeah, 20 you know? bucks. I mean, I'm just talking. Yeah, yeah. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Exa yeah, exactly. If you spend 20 bucks on a, on a Chianti, you know, usually it's, it's usually phenomenal, right? I mean, certainly what you're talking about, the northern wines, the Barolos yeah. and, you know, Barbarescos yeah, can start getting say. up there. Yeah, that stuff can start climbing because of, yeah. you know, And then, how, too, a lot of... A lot of the Barolos and Barbarescos, just the production methods yeah. involve more time, yeah. and time equals money. If you're exactly. holding onto a yeah. bottle, or if you're putting it in barrel for like five years, mm -hmm. you've got to carry that yeah. wine, so you've got to charge more. Yeah, you've got inventory carrying over. Very true. 
So I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of a, a another trait uh, of Italian wines is they don't say it's Sangiovese or a Nebbiolo or whatever, right? They say it's a Barolo mm -hmm. or a Barbaresco or Chianti. whatever, right? Or Chianti, right? So and I think most people know that, you know, the most widely planted grape in Italy is a Sangiovese, but that doesn't mean that's what you're drinking. So how do you know? I mean, what, what, what's a Barolo? What's a Barbaresco? Are they, are they Sangioveses? Are they Nebbiolos? Does, can it, can it differ? How do you, no. how do you know? Barolo is a Nebbiolo. The Barolo and, and Barbaresco are Nebbiolos. Nebbiolos. Yeah. Barbera uh, is Barbera. Yeah. So that's just for fun. Barbera is Barbera. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one. <laughs> it's a great variety. And there's but different types of Barbera. Barbera, is, Diosti, Barbera, yeah. um, with some of the other ones. Right. The Orno, Barbera. is like several different, I don't know right. what the D, whatever means, mm -hmm. but the grape is Barbera. Oh. And a Brunello uh, would, yeah. <laughs> would be a Sangiovese. Yeah. yeah. So you, just high, and and do they do, yeah. so So we had that French wine a second ago, and it was Grenache, but it was, you know, also covered with some Syrah and Mouvedre. Do they, is it 100% Sangiovese or Nebbiolo, or do they, like, have other regional grapes that they try to soften it with or... or I think that's a with? big, it depends. I mean, there's going to be a level in most markets where if it is above 85% of grape X, they just call it, and that's, and then, you know, if it is, in, I know there are certain, there are certain restrictions depending on the area, like if it is a, yeah, Barolo's all Nebbiolo. Oh, so it's, it's a Barolo, it's a Barbaresco, it's all Nebbiolo. I love Nebbiolo. Yeah, Chiante yeah. is all Sangiovese. Yeah. Now, if you start right. getting into Super Tuscans, well, those are blends, right? Those are going to yes. be, uh. But there may be some also that like, and they're moving away from super Tuscans, right? Because I think they tried and didn't really it work. I mean, there's some delicious so super Tuscans. I mean, some. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Nebbiolos. It's yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I like Northern Italian. Killer bees. Yeah. Some people on their land, if they do 100% Sangiovese of their grapes, that doesn't turn out to be the best wine. So if you're in Chianti and the Chianti has to be 100%. Uh, Sangiovese and you're like that's not working for me I need a fuller flavor and so I want to add some Cabernet Sauvignon which is the typical yeah by what's the alcohol by like the the rules of the area that just becomes table wine and so the super Tuscan movement was people basically Tuscan saying I can't be down the I'm going to charge a premium because this is a great wine and so they've kind of kicked their you know, way through the door to say it's not a Chianti, but it's better than table wine, and I demand to be you know represented. So, yeah, has the has the pendulum moved now? You say Super Tusky, and everyone like, ooh, that sounds great. And have I had some bad ones? Yeah, I've had some that like, yeah, they're just not in that. But at the same time, a well done Super Tuscan can be a premium wine because they're not just held to being a hundred percent Sangiovese. Mm -hmm. Well, this is cool because I can honestly say I don't think I've ever had an Aglianico. Yeah, I'll have to. I think it's great, right? So Yeah, no G. So it's Aglianico. No G. So did I ever say the name? So Blue Onis, O-N-I-C-E, Onis. Onis. 2016 gets a 4.2 on Vivino. N-A-T-I-V, Native must be the winery, I'm assuming. So, and there's Erpina Alianico 2015. 
probably more like a New World wine than an Old World wine, honestly. I would agree with that. Yeah. It reminds me of a Washington wine. Yeah, it's... I would never... If, if you poured this and I had to taste yeah. it blind, I would never guess this was a I don't know if I could, I would guess Syrah. Honestly. I would have. Even I, though... I, I, and I probably wouldn't be able to place it, so I would have guessed because of the color and because of the chocolate yeah. notes. I would have but, kind of made me think of, like, a, I would have guessed a Washington Syrah if I had to. It's almost like a dessert wine. Super it's, sweet. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm know. trying to think what would you, because even Pear if you had with pasta with, with the red no. sauce, with the I sauce, I red like sauce is sweet. I would like it. So it would, it would, it's too I would much. think with anything, like, maybe, pears like, anything. A, like a blue cheese or something where you'd have the funk oh, no. going cutting across, but it's... I don't know. This is, it's tasty. I was for something My salt. Favorite. I have these Marcona almonds with the salt on them. Mm-hmm. Some salt to cut through some of the sweet, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not my not my favorite style. I mean, it's my first one. I don't know how it's different they. Yeah. It's almost verging on the port. I agree. It's it's pretty. What's the alcohol content on it? Fourteen five. So which this was fourteen five. I think what? yours was Chris's was fourteen five. Which is pretty amazing. That was thirteen five. The Rioja, I believe. I believe it was. It's on the oh. back. I think. I think it's fourteen thirteen five years. Which I would have yep. guessed. Yep. I don't know that I would have guessed that would have been the the lightest of the three. But Spanish wines typically aren't um, alcohol bombs. Um, and most old world wines. If you get into the southern like a Garnachas. Yeah. Because again, yeah. Garnache grows in heat. Heat yeah. means that you're going to get really ripe. You're going to get the sugar. Sugars yeah. become alcohol. But traditionally, old world wines are not like you know California no. wines, right? They're they're more laid back as far as the alcohol content yeah. goes. You know, they're not like you go and get Napa, yeah. Napa, anything but cabs. You're going to drop, you know, fifteen plus. I will say, yeah, get the Zinfandels are at sixteen five. Yeah, sixteen. So while we're uh, we're finishing this before we go to the next wine, it might be a good time to you know at least here in the early part of twenty twenty, one of the, the Rumors or potential things potentially going on in the in the wine world, or is is tariffs, right? And potentially a hundred percent tariff on raising the yeah exactly the tariffs on old world wines. So if you're listening to this and have an opportunity to buy some old world wines, it might be a time to stock up because who knows what's going to happen with the uh, the 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 tariffs that that could really affect the 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 prices. I think we need to have like a, a wine, like a the tea party, but do like wine and just pour well, like. We're, a, we're kind of doing it ourselves. Pour like, like I know. I'm the sure. the the background of as long the as I tariffs. Get to drink it. I don't want to pour it. Out. The issue of this, <laughs> I and I do agree. Like in the behind the scenes, this all comes down to the fact that EU partner members really did subsidize a lot or a certain degree of the development of and the funding for Airbus Industries commercial jetliners and Boeing has argued against that for the biggest because right now the only two people that build commercial jetliners are Boeing and Airbus but only one of them stay in the sky yeah Airbus has had some issues too no, I'm just saying they, they dropped a couple of are you tying this into the wine how are, it is. where, where <laughs> are we going with this this, this <laughs> is exactly this is this is what is crazy because there was a judgment that Airbus did indeed have government subsidies from EU members, Yeah, there is basically a penalty of, I want to say, like $19 billion that they ultimately have to pay off. And the thought process currently in vogue is to kick up 
a hundred percent tariff on wine imports from EU member nations that's going to be France, Spain, Germany, Italy that help build Airbuses. But we're safe with British wine. They are actually making more uh, <laughs> champagne, but actually, Airbus, Airbus is still uh, a lot of parts are funded out of. Does that uh, affect Scotch? Yes, it does. Does it? Yes. Yikes. So, so what we're doing is bourbon time. <laughs> yeah. So it is California, Kentucky. Thank God. Hoorah. But yeah, it's going to. It is really hitting the American consumer more than anyone else. They enact this. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like saying that it's not a fair race, so you take a shotgun and blow your own foot off. Yeah, but isn't that going to raise, like, if you, so if you're a Napa winery, and you're seeing this happen, you're like, okay, we can raise our, we can raise our wines, like, 15%, and still undercut Well, and I know we've got some financial people in the room, it's like, okay, are there, like, stocks that, that uh, are involved with, you know, U.S. Constellation based brands is uh, like a good yeah. time to potentially invest in like a U.S. based. Uh, I don't know though. Beverage like, type of company. The issue is like Constellation it, Brands mm-hmm. imports wine from overseas too, so I think like yeah. they'll they'll probably make some up domestically, but you know from their international game. I know. I think, I think what you do though is distribution like, networks get well, slammed, and if you are if your distribution network relies say forty percent on imported wines that now cost too much to distribute. Then there's a lot of pressure not to have them, and but they can't necessarily make up the volume, so it is difficult across the board to provide it. So prices are going to go up everywhere. A lot of uh, a lot of people in the industry are going to feel serious pain if not go under, and prices are. It's not going to be like it's going to be cheap times for California wines because California wine prices are largely they're driven by anyway. Yeah, they're driven by the cost Same of labor. Going. Yeah. Cuz yeah, labor costs are going up in the states anyway. But you know, to me the moral of the story is start drinking some new world wines, not necessarily California wines, but drink some Argentinian wines, drink some Chilean wines, go to, you know, get some New Zealand and Australian wines and some yep. South African wines. <clears throat> you know, we've had um or if you're that, listening to this just after we post it, write your, write your congressman, write your senators to say, I don't think these tariffs are a good idea. That's what, um, who do I follow on um, Instagram? Is it Jeb? No, it's not Jeb Dunnick. It's Suckling. He mm-hmm. posted his letter that yep. he sent to whomever, uh, like on his Instagram page. It was, you know, pretty interesting, you know, because he's obviously a big wig in the wine industry. Everyone knows who he is. Um, and his letter was pretty, like, scathing. It was, yeah. It was it's, great. Um, I mean, underneath it, I do think that the the accusations around Boeing and Airbus have merit, but those are that's essentially that is a duopoly on uh, international aircraft, and so out of spite around unfair trade practices between two of the largest behemoth organizations in the world. We've decided to focus on something that is largely, to a large degree, independent or, you know, has a large number of smaller producers, smaller distributors, etc. And is, the ultimate burden is going to be borne by the consumer. It is the equivalent of saying that the best runners in the marathon 
have shoes I can't afford, so I'm going to blow my first two toes off. It doesn't make sense. That's got to be so, a good sound right there next to the yeah. microphone. I love the, uh, the pouring of new wine. I didn't mean to bring the microphone to the bathroom. Sorry. We seem to... Uh, we're moving through these wines. Yeah. Very nice clip. I'm going to I'm gonna hold that Alianico to kickstart my lawnmower this winter. <laughs> Alianico. It's thick. It is good. All right. We move on to the fourth wine of the night, the fourth and final wine. And Mike, you, this is yours. What, tell us a little, little about it. I will tell you very little about it. It's a Barolo. <laughs> you have to read, read the label. And, uh... hey, the label's in Italian. So if I read the label... Yes. Aside from Barolo in 2012, I don't know what to tell you. 2012. So yeah, I'll tell you that this yeah. this probably should be opened in like I don't know. So three that was years. the thing about Barolos for, uh, forever ago it was like it's a great bottle, but you got to let it sit yeah, and then let totally. it open. But obviously, to I think Keith, you mentioned it earlier, you can't wait around for people don't want to buy a bottle of wine and let it sit for 20 years. You want to buy sure. it maybe open it right then or a couple of years. So. How was, I mean, they, they've changed their winemaking style to accommodate that, right? They've changed it. I mean, you know, but old school Barolo never touched oak. Yeah. Right? I think old school Barolo never touched oak. And now, uh, now I think they've kind of gone that direction to make it a little more approachable sooner. Yeah. But I still think, I mean, you know, the, you know, the average drinker doesn't just go and buy Barolos, though. You... You usually people who are patient, you're gonna buy in store and seller, right? And that's what you do. And Barolo is um, a region. Barolo is a region. It's in northern Italy. It's in okay. the Piedmont region. Yeah. Piedmont's up towards Switzerland, towards you know, Lake Cuomo area. Yep. Um, you know, towards like Milan kind Cuomo of. Cuomo or Como? Como, Cuomo, ah, whatever. <laughs> Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. You watch Chris Cuomo on CNN. You know, you can call it Cuomo. It could be Como. Clooney has a place there if you want to go hang out with uh, my buddy. You sure, know, he'd love George to see us. He, yeah. you know, knock on his door. He Absolutely. was at, you know, I'll send you his address. But um, yeah. no, so up there you have, you know, Barolo, Barbera, and um, Barbaresco, the three most well known. Um, I don't know. Regions, what, right? Regions. Up are they there. regions? Are they producers? What What is what region. is the region? So Barolo and Barbaresca are Nebbiolo grapes, which we touched on earlier. Yeah. Um, um, Barbera is its own grape, but its own region as well, um, up there, its own area up in Piedmont. There are other grapes that are grown up there as well. Um, I can tell you what that is if you bear with me. So where did you get this bottle from? It is, of course, the last bottle. Okay. Um, but, you know, so last bottle's great. I mean, as you all, if you've yeah. listened to our five episodes, <laughs> yes. probably, I'd say 75% of the wine that we drink on here. But the reality is we, we buy a lot of wine from there. The reason why we buy a lot of wine from there is because they have high-quality wine for a pro, good prices. Barolos are fairly expensive um, bottles. Oh, yeah, there you go. Vivino, Chris just pulled it up. This gets a 4.4 on Vivino. That's pretty high. Um, that is pretty high. Definitely pretty high. It's, on, on, it's a $45 bottle. Do you recall what you paid there. for it, roughly? So I got four bottles for free shipped, so probably like a $30 bottle then, right? Mm -hmm. If it's from, if it's shipped for free. So you saved a little money on it. Yeah, yeah, saved a little money, and that's the thing about it, though. Like, would I have spent 45 bucks for this bottle that I've never seen before? Probably not, but when I got the offer and I looked it up and it was highly rated, I'm like a 4.4, and I got I have three others at home, um, just smelling it on the nose, I do feel like it could stand 
minimum bit. to have at least been decanted, yeah. which I apologize for not doing. I, I opened it at like six o'clock, and it is now. I like it. Um, I think it's it's now four thirty in the morning. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's been, been open for three and a half hours. Um, in in bottle open for three and a half hours. I think I just corked it to drive. You know the three seconds to get here. Um, yes, I did drive. It's cold out. But no, Barolo, I love Barolo. I mean, we had it um, I love Barolo too. for Christmas yes. Eve. We broke open a, um, a great bottle of Barolo. I don't remember what it was. It was amazing. And I have, you know, Cellar Tracker is cool uh, for anyone who uses it. Um, if you pay for the features on Cellar Tracker, one of the features you pay for is a ready-to-drink button that you push. Mm -hmm. And it literally just mm -hmm. drops all of your wine that's ready to, to drink. So if you are someone out there that has a lot of wine, you're probably not listening to us. But if you are... <laughs> And you don't have Cellar Tracker, yeah. I mean, get it, because it's worth getting. And, and so the one we opened on Christmas Eve, that Barolo was primo, like, I think it said it's drinking window open in 2017. And so we were at the end of, you know, 2019 for it. It was beautiful. It was, um, that it was bottle. awesome. It was a 2011, then. Oh, well, yeah, it was a 2011. It was the Prada, right? Was it the Prada? Prada? Uh, Whatever, Barolo? It was really good, though. Yeah. Um, this one... So this I is good. Was, I mean, talk, talk about this one. What are, you, what are you getting from it? Like, from the... On the nose, it had a very, I call it, I don't know, funky to me. It had a little... It's got a bit of sulfur on it still. Yeah, it definitely would agree. I think this needs to sit in the glass for a little while longer, and then that would blow off. Um, so it's hard for me to smell I mean, the classic, anything on The it. classic smells of Barolo are, are rose and kind of like a, a road tar. There mm. is typically that funk, that bit of, mm. like, it can be licorice, but it is, it, it is tar. I definitely get licorice on. T it, it tastes way better than it smells. Yeah, it's um definitely like some orange peel or something like that. There's some kind of I don't know what that is. Some tanginess to it that's yeah, sticking so... out on the on the back end of it. Because I I get what everybody's saying with um a little bit of tobacco, a little bit of uh, graphite, maybe whetstone, but there's something else in there that is uh trying to come through. It's very subtle. It's interesting. This and the Rioja. Hmm. Are very much acid driven. It's kind of been a, it's kind of been an interesting progression. So we started with the Rioja, that was kind of like cigar box, a bit of sour cherry and acid driven. Then we went to the Chateau Neuf, which I'll still say the the, the Chateau Neuf yes, was probably the best integrated. Then the Alianica, which is a little sweeter, chocolatey, blueberry, and now back to acid. But this is, I can, I can see that orange peel. That's something. Uh, is that what it is? I mean, I'm tasting a little bit of something. Yeah, they definitely say, you know, acidic, um, definitely the tar, rose flower, tar, dry herbs, aromas frequently associated with Barolo. So the rose keep, petals is a good yeah, description. Yeah, nailed it yeah, on that front. Um you know, it says here in order so to Which be is a, a characteristic of Barolo. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. To be a, a DOCG wine, it's must be aged for at least two years in oak and one year in bottle. With five years of age, three in oak required for Reserva labeling. I don't think this is a Reserva. <laughs> I would doubt it at the price point because Barolo, Reserva yeah. Barolo would probably be an 80 to $100 price point if it was a Reserva. Um, but, I'll, I mean, they call I me mean, Barolo, they say, is the wine of kings. It's yeah. the cream of the crop of Italian wines, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really good. It pairs with, you know, as far as food goes. I mean, any any kind of 
hearty Italian dish, you know, red sauce, or if you have like a, bread, a, I mean, something that's braised, yeah. like asobuco or Asso veal or any kind of lasagna or something any kind heavy. Of, yeah, yeah, something yeah. heavy. That's where yeah. your Italian wines come in yeah. and pair perfectly. You I could mean, do this with a meat and cheese yeah, board. Absolutely, per, absolutely right, could do it. You know, I wouldn't. Board. I wouldn't have this with any kind of like Alfredo or anything like that. No, I'd say the red sauce, something else with it, but any kind of. Like something like a braised that like the Osobuco would be yeah would be beautiful. Um, braised short rib. Yeah, short rib. Yeah, some short rib would be beautiful with this. So it's um it's good though. It, it tastes very. I the taste is really good. I'm pleased with it. The smell definitely needs to blow off the yeah. um the sulfur. It's and now that I'm smelling it now, I'll tell you, just being in the glass for it's blowing off. Yeah, yeah, being in the glass just for the amount of time we've been chatting about it, it's beautiful. It's fourteen percent alcohol. Yeah, so it's not quite as as high as the last two. A little bit more than the than the Rioja. And did you? That looks like where the wine is from. The winery is Tenuta Carreta. Well, that's what it says. I don't speak Italian. It says one four six seven. So I'm assuming that means the stab of fourteen sixty seven, or maybe that's when Christopher Columbus did something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we'll figure that out. Oh, since 1467, a story that continues. I'm on their website. There you go. So it says, Tenuta Coretta is located yeah, south of Piedmont. So, dear listeners, know what... you can see that we really do our research for this. Well, this came together somewhat somewhat yeah, quickly. Yeah, year we, somewhat quickly. I but Kanubi means. Kanubi, it's like uh, it's a Star Wars reference, like Obi-Wan. Of course. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi's brother. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> Tatooine is when they harvested the grapes. A long time ago, in a in a you know Appalachian far far away, away, right? You know, fourteen sixty seven. So it is a new year, though. So cheesy, but we'll do it anyway. Does anyone have any wine resolutions other than drink more wine? And if you say drink less wine, then you're fired. So it can't be drink more wine. No one here is going to say drink less wine. So David, what's your wine resolution for twenty twenty? I just like to try more, uh, more whites. Honestly, um, I feel like I've kind of tried. I want to try different reds and, and more whites. Um, I'm not. I don't feel very educated on whites. Mm. Honestly, so, we need to do a white wine podcast yeah. at some point in time this year. Yeah, and, and I actually want to like try a lot of different ones and figure out a white, other than Chardonnay and Sauv Blanc and the regulars that um, kind of go to, mm. you know. That's a good one. Just, just something something different. Uh, even Rosé. I, I'm, I'm game for trying more Rosé. Rosé Keith is, I will say in 2019, got me to try probably three or four of them, so. I've had some really good Rosés like, this year. I, I had I some like, it. meh. But I've had some really good rosés this year too. Mm. How about you, Chris, do you have a wine resolution for twenty twenty? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but I think more whites is certainly part of it. Obviously, we've ventured into the Chardonnays and the um, you know the Sauv Blancs. Um, had a, had a, a, a Sancerre, Sancerre recently, Sancerre. which is um, I think basically a Sauv Blanc, but it was French, very minerally. Yes, it felt like I was licking a limestone, basically. Oh, wow. what, what it tasted like. It was good, but it was totally different. And um, we so, need to so, talk about how often you lick limestones. You know, that's, I had a rough childhood. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's a good call. Is, is getting exposed to more white wines. I think we've 
you know, when I ventured into wine, it was all red. Yeah. And now I'm starting to slowly have, a, you know, occasional glass of white. Um, but it's mainly Shards and Sauvignon Blancs and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think that and, and probably expanding a little bit. I mean, I've got, as we all do, our wine clubs that, mm-hmm. we're, that we're members of and kind of what we're comfortable with. But it's always good to get out of your comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit and try some different things. And, I mean, there are, how many, hundreds just in California, Napa yeah, alone, yeah. of you know, between Napa and Sonoma, what there are nine hundred wineries yeah. or something like that. So, you know, maybe okay, yeah, I've I've had a great run. Like for example, for me, Silverado and Minor mm-hmm. love all their wines. I think they're total values and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, branch out a little bit is mm-hmm. probably what I need to be thinking about a little bit more. Is is look at other wineries and just you know. Try to get some other, because there's quality everywhere, and everyone's trying to, um, you know, produce great wines, and, um, you know, every everything I read about wine and, and, and what they're trying to produce, everything mentions climate change and how they're trying to combat that and how they're trying to, not necessarily combat it, but how they're trying to adjust to it based on what they're trying to produce. So that may change, you know, what the wines are are tasting like and what the mm-hmm. wineries are, are producing, yeah, you know. True. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I think I just what think we're it, able to drink yeah, at certain yeah, times of the year. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. endless. I mean, yeah, that's the true. thing about wine is, I mean, like I said, or you know, the beginning about France, we've yeah. not even scratched the surface yeah. of, of wines from. Just think yeah. about Chateauneuf du Pape alone. Who who knows how many wineries are in that particular region yeah. and and what they may taste like and what they you know so. It's a good problem to have. Drink our way through uh, through the various regions to, to try to come yeah, up with something. So, definitely. Yeah. Diversify. Yeah, absolutely. About you, Mr. Mr. Keith. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, kind of the same note. I I will probably say I've had more uh, exposure to more white wines because my wife likes whites. I picked it up and, and have enjoyed them as well. I, I, very few dry wines I don't like, so it's not that I just like Chardonnays. Um, however, I've picked up a, a new job over the year that is based out of Vancouver, and I'm finding that when I travel up there, there are some pretty stiff tariffs on U.S. wines, so I'm becoming more interested in the Pacific Northwest, and when there, I would need to find out, like, uh, what wines from Okanagan Valley that to learn about that to know what I'm ordering Where is that that is, is that in Canada that is it kind of bridges from Washington State into Canada hmm. it is a wine growing region um, I know they make good wines there I don't know how to identify them I've had some that are decent I've had some that I think what it is in that area and this is probably true of Washington State as well is that it's very vintage driven. Some years they have good growth, some years they may not. Whereas we're spoiled with California and uh, and Oregon and those things that we know. That's one of the reasons that those are such big wine growing areas is that the climate is fairly repetitive year in, year out. Yeah, they burn every now and again. but uh, But the vintages are solid you know yes 2010 16 are, are great and in the middle there there's some ups and downs but it's still not really that far off whereas what i'm learning is 
and I don't know what's good or what's not, is that it's very driven by the year of the growing and what is growing well and what grapes are growing well. It's not just going to be Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, it may be blends, it may be producers. So that's an area that I'm starting to learn. And by the same, uh, the other side of that coin, I am learning more about Washington State wines. I've had some very good ones from Walla Walla uh, and Horse Heaven Hills, and just learning about that that growing area. Um, I will say, like we've talked about, Rody Sellers and a few others here that are doing Rhone varietals in southeastern Washington, and have had great results with those. So. That that area, you know, you for a number of reasons, yeah. is is an area of focus for me. This That's year. cool. All right, Mike. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think diversify is the way to go. You know, I definitely, especially with California wines, I get used to like what Chris was saying. I have a handful of wine clubs that I belong to, and I tend to drink those wines because that's what I get loaded to me. So I, I've dropped a couple, and I'm thinking of replacing them with some others just to diversify that and. And I'd like to do like you know earlier like this some South American wines, some the Argentinian wines, some Chilean wines, and just I've not really drank that you know, and it's be interesting to try it out. They're really affordable wines mm -hmm. as well. I mean, you can go get a um, you know Malbecs for which is a great wine if you've ever had a Malbec before. They're really good, and you can get a very high end producer for you know. 60% of what you can get a high-end producer in, in Napa, for example, um, and they're really good. Um, you know, branch out a little more, like, into New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, kind of some other wine regions, as you were talking about earlier with, with some of the terrorists that are coming in. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, definitely kind of branch out from my, yep. my Napa Yep. Kind of where I always tend to gravitate to. So in a quick plug, uh, I just pulled out a triple C red wine from Santa Rita uh, Vineyards out of Chile. It's Maple Valley. Oh. It is Cab uh, Soft, Cab Franc, and Carbonier. A little Bordeaux blend, sort of. It's kind of like a Chilean Bordeaux. This is a $16 bottle that I got off of Last Bottle Wines. These are fantastic. Oh, wow. So You've opened one? I have. Oh, okay. How many do you have? You have six of them. Uh, I have three left. Oh, nice. Well, good. Yeah, we'll definitely have to. Uh, we'll have to try that. But we'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. Well, good well, stuff. Yeah, great. Well, stuff. this was a great, um, great discussion. So, kind of do a recap. We started with a Rioja, a hundred percent Tempranillo um, bottle out of, out of Spain. The next bottle was a Chateau du Pop, which was the. Uh, you know, there's not heavy on the Grenache, but some Syrah and some Boubedre and some Sousol. 2015. 2015, yeah, exactly. Then we had the Southern Italian, what was the grape again? Alianico. Alianico. Um, 2015 as well. 2015. And then we had the Northern Italian, the Barolo. Um, so so quick quick thoughts. Keith, maybe we'll start with you. Thoughts on, on the wines we had. How would you, do we, do we want to do a... Top to bottom ranking? What, what do you, or, or just, what, what was your favorite? Maybe we'll talk about that. It's it's in my wheelhouse, but the Chateau Neuf de Pop was my favorite. It's, it was just integrated, silky, delicious. Uh, the Barolo's number two. I'd do my Rioja third and the Alianico. Just because it, it had an interesting flavor profile. If it didn't have the residual sugar, I'd probably put it up. But that's... 
that's a me issue more than anything else. This it was just a pretty thick wine, and and I'm not a big fan of sugars. Yeah. All right. Fair enough, Mike. I'd go. I'd go the Barolo, then the Chateauneuf de Pop, then the Rioja, and then um, and the Oleo Oleo Oleo. Free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I'm pretty much gonna be the same. I the Barolo and the Chateauneuf. I, yeah, are both course. two of my favorite yeah. styles of wine, and both of these were really good. So, I mean, both of those are right there. And then I like the Rio High, and then the Alianico was just a little bit sweeter than I like. Yeah, and uh, not very Italian to me, but yeah, that, but you know what? Italians gonna... aren't sweet. I'm curious. Uh, I would like to try another Alianico from a different producer. Yeah, me too. To cross reference, it's not. The, I'm not disparaging that may be, the grape that may or be anything else. Is. I'm just very curious to see a different expression of that now. Yeah. So I had similar Chateauneuf, um, the Barolo, the Rioja, the Alianico. Um, it's kind of my my order, but the, no, they were all good, and you know. Consistent with all of these podcasts, at the end of it, I have a really good buzz. So <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think that's pretty. We common. are slightly yeah, toasted exactly. on to the after party. I mean, we we mow through some wines in a, in a short amount of time, and uh, we're about it. It. we've got four. We put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> got a lot more wines mow to drink. Wine. So after we sign it's off, we'll be able to uh, to knock these out. Maybe plus, plus Mike, Mike may have, have bought a, a nickel to to seal the night away. So. No, another good podcast. Hopefully you, you learned a little bit about Old World Wines, and we'll start putting our brains together about what the next uh, podcast whites. is going to be. Oh. might be Whites. We need to exactly. have more podcasts than Brady Has Rings. And you know, five, nobody mentioned anything on the resolutions about doing more podcasts. Resolutions? Well, that goes without saying. Well, it's like drinking more wine. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. We need that. to step we up. Know, this early in the year, it's good to have one in the bag. I know. There's no football. No, uh, college football, right? We're we're more college yeah. football people than pro, even though we're watching a pro game right now. Yeah. We're more college people, so college football is done until you know August, September. Q one, we got to knock out at least two more. I think I think that should be our goal. That should be our resolution yeah. in February one in March, at least. I mean, in doing if we so can do three total in Q one is what you're saying. Yeah, why not? That would be unprecedented. It would That'd be, be hell because of a we came into today when we've done four and we started two years ago. Exactly, but yes. whatever. You know, we got to. You know what? Like, you know, make people want it, but we also have to give them what they want. Yeah. The people so want more. Balance. The people want more. The people gotten, want more. The people have spoken. I got yes. a text from my buddy. I won't say his name. He said, when are you going to put another podcast on? There you go. All right. and I, think he was, I think he was mocking me because he laughed at me when I told me a podcast. But I, I, still, <laughs> I'll go for it. He wanted more. Our one thing. Well, there we go. We'll give people what they want, so we will resolve to do more podcasts right. in 2020. That's Hashtag... Right. 2020. Yeah. That's the year. So, there you go. Uh, signing off, my name is Chris. I'm Keith. Mike. David. Stay slightly toasted. Cheers. I'm more afraid.